do. And that's to preach the word. So I'm, I'm excited about the word of the Lord today. We're going to divert off. I actually intended to be preaching about Timothy and Epaphroditus today. But last night during our prayer time, the Lord began to speak to me. The Lord began to deal with me about expanding, about expanding. I, I began to get visions. I, I was not here in, in the early days of this church. I was not here to see. I, I know that on Friday nights there was a meal that was here, and that, that fellowship hall would be full of people on Friday nights. I, I began to see visions of that. I began to see visions of our, our, our and we have a great crowd this Sunday morning. I'm grateful for that. But I, visions of this place full, multiple times on Sunday morning, full on Saturday night. I, I, I have vision. I, I want to, I, I would love just to kind of extend the, what we've been doing all through the month of August and just have meetings on, on Saturday nights. I'm not quite sure we're there yet. We're praying about the right timing, but we want to open up on Saturday nights and have service. We, we, we're looking towards uh, Hispanic uh, worship, worship in Espanol, expansion. The Lord just began to expand my vision, remind me of things. There, there's, a, there's, there's a day coming where I'm going to have church in my house. We're going to have church out there in Greenville. I pulled up on uh, Friday night. The ladies were meeting at my house, and I went out with a couple of guys, and I got home about 9.30, and the ladies were all still there, and our whole parking lot at my house was full, and I pulled up, and I, I just got vision of that happening on a regular basis. I'd love to see a church planted out in Greenville. I'd love to see us do something in Louisville one day. Now, right now, we're focused right here. We're focused, but I'm, I'm just talking. I, I, I believe God wants, that, that's, his, that's his vision. How many of you know God wants his church to grow? God wants his church to grow. Every church, every, and, and, and listen, the local church is God's doing, but every local church needs to have a, a vision to expand, to reach out, Amen. We, I, I, there, there's a day coming where we have 30 houses with house meetings where people are coming together, men and women and uh, families coming together to worship together in our homes, to do Bible study together in our homes, all over the community. We have people from all over. We have people from uh, all, all these towns here in southern Indiana. We have folks that come from across the, the river. Uh, we have people from all over. There, there's going to be a day where, where we just scatter and share the gospel as a church. There's a day coming where we will send missionaries. There will, there's a day coming where we will one day send church planters out to plant churches. That day's coming for us as, as a local church. That's God's vision for the church. Amen? It's an awesome thing. You know what's happening in Mexico with a lot of my friends? They're, they're now raising up Mexicans and sending them to the 1040 window. See, us, us Caucasians, we have absolutely really no hope, unless God does miracles, of, of winning the Islamic nations. But our black and brown brothers can be, and this is statistically proven, they will reject the Caucasian because they hate Westerners. But if a, if a black or brown brother goes into those nations, they are received with the gospel. And so my friends in Mexico are receiving the Mexican nationals. They, they are training them and sending them to other nations. See, that, that's God's, God's plan, right? Not, not that, a, that a nation would constantly be dependent upon nation, missionaries, but the missionaries would come, raise up a work, and then become ascending power. That's God's plan. That's God's intent for the church. God wants his church to grow. So here, here's a sad, sad statistic. Only 29%, this is from Lifeway Research, 29% of Christians share their faith. That's a third of Christians, that are less than a third actually, sharing their faith. Giving an answer for the hope and the reason that they follow Jesus Christ. Less than a third of us. And that's, that's realistic. I've, I, 
I think all of us would, would, would not believe that that's hard, hard to believe. That's not a, a far-fetched statistic. I think it's, it's accurate. Less than a third of Christians sharing their faith. Less than 40% of the unbelievers who were surveyed in this, in this uh, research said that they've ever had a Christian come to them and share their faith, explain to them the gospel, explain to them what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. Less than 40, only 40% of them in, in this survey said that they've had a Christian come to them and explain the gospel. Think about that. 40% of unbelievers that haven't heard the message about Jesus. Think about that. So let's look into Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. My message title today is just simply expand. Expand. I believe God wants us to expand. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it starts with you and me. It starts with, with you and me. We, we, we can't have a, a church strategy of church planting, of sending missionaries, of house groups, of scattering believers all over this community. We can't have a vision like that if we aren't individually willing to take the responsibility of the Great Commission on ourselves. It starts right here. It starts with me, and it starts with you taking the responsibility of the kingdom on our shoulders. We have freely received, now we can freely go. We have to take that responsibility on. It starts with us, right? It starts with us. It doesn't matter how big of a strategy we build. If we're not willing to do our part, it's going to fail, right? So let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, and we're going to begin in verse 35. Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. How many of you know that Jesus was the greatest evangelist that's ever said? He's greater than Billy Graham. Sorry to, sorry to, if you're a Billy Graham fan, I'm sorry to uh, bust the bubble, but Jesus was greater than Billy Graham. Amen? He was the greatest evangelist that ever lived, going throughout the cities and villages, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and affliction, right? And, and when, he, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they harassed they, they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That's what I, when I look out at our culture, that's what I see. My heart is moved for the people out there that are harassed and hopeless, right? That, that's where they are. They're without a shepherd. And Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That's where the gap is at. That's where the, dis the, the disparity is at. There is a, a bountiful harvest, but there aren't a lot of laborers. And that, that's the reality in our church culture today. There aren't a lot of people. The statistics bear this out. Only a third of Christians ever show their faith. Only a third of Christians are, are witnessing the gospel. There, there's a gap between this plentiful harvest and the few laborers. And the Lord wants to fill that gap. You think about it. A thousand people are waiting on the other side of our obedience. I don't know where I got that statement. It was written in some notes I was going through last night as I was preparing to preach. 
but a thousand people waiting on the other side of our obedience. Think about it. How many people are waiting to hear the gospel? They're waiting for the preacher to share. How do they hear, Romans says, without the preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? It's not enough for us to be good to people and kind to people when we should. It's not enough just to serve people. We need to be preachers. How, do, how is the gospel advanced? The Bible said it is advanced through the preaching of the gospel. That, that's verbal, plenary communication of God's word. Us speaking the word of God. We are supposed to be dispensers of the seed of God's word. Preaching everywhere that we go. We are supposed to be involved in the harvest. All of us have a responsibility to be involved in God's harvest. God's plan for his church is for it to grow. We see that all throughout scripture. The, 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 the parable of the banquet, when those who did not come, he turns to his disciples, or to his helpers, his servants, and he says to his servants, go out into the highways and the byways and compel people to come in. The Lord's showing a picture to his disciples there. Go out into the highways and the byways. Go out everywhere and compel people to come so that, he says, my house might be full. God's desire is that his house would be full. That's God's desire. And, and I, I need to stop here and just, just talk about this for a minute. Church attendance is slipping across the board. Nationwide, church attendance has slipped. The statistics, if you look at what hap has happened post-COVID, it, it, it's staggering. The largest church here in town, uh, their, their, their attendance at their main campus is at 50% where it was before COVID. Their satellite campuses are at about 80% of where they were before COVID. People have gotten lackadaisical. It is important to be in God's house. You should be here every single week. Don't take days off. Come to church. Get to that. Find a, find a local church and get committed to that. Serve. Show up. Every Christian, I say this often, every Christian needs a ministry in the local church and a mission in the world. You need a place, you need to find a place. If this is your home church, you need to find a place to plug in and serve. I've got all kinds of options for you. Youth ministry, worship team, kids ministry, tech team. We need people to help clean. We need people that could show up and just do odds and ends from time to time. We need people on our kitchen team. We need every, if, if you can do it, we can use it. There is a place. There's no excuse for you not to get plugged in. You can do it once a month. You can do it every week. We'll find a job that fits your, 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 your availability. Get plugged in and serve in the local church and be faithful to the house of the Lord. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And even much more so as you see the day approaching. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back? How many of you know that soon and so very soon we're going to see the king? He's going to split the eastern sky. Those, we're going to be caught up to meet him. Right? The day's coming. Get to church. That's the instruction of, of Scripture. Get to church. Get to church. Get to church on Sunday. Get to prayer on Wednesday night. Get to draw near on Saturday night. Get to the ladies' group. Get to the men's group. Get in a small group. Get plugged in. Don't, not just Sunday morning attendance, but get plugged into the body so that you can grow spiritually. If all you're getting is every third Sunday, a 40-minute message, and that is the, 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 the end of your spiritual input into your life, 
your spirit man suffering. You, you don't eat once every three weeks. You eat every day. Get to church, get plugged in, get plugged into groups, get, in, get plugged into prayer, get plugged into a personal devotional life. Right? You need to meet with the Lord on your own every day. Pray. Get a Bible if you don't have one. If you don't have a Bible, we will provide Bibles for you. Get a devotional that you can read through that will help you in your Bible study. Get a regiment where it's a normal part of your routine. We need this. If we're going to be healthy and if we're going to grow, we need this. Amen? I haven't even got to point one in my message here. But I'm excited to preach this morning. I need to get on point. God, God wants his church to grow. He wants his church to grow. That's his desire. The church grew rapidly throughout the, 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 the first century, second century. At, the, the church, and, and, it, and it's been growing. I'm going to show you some st statistics here in just a minute, but I, I want to show you in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, what was happening, the Holy Spirit working through the apostles and what we see as far as church growth. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, the inception of the church, the birthday of the church, it says there were uh, those who received the word and were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You talk about radical evangelism. 3,000 people in one day. 3,000 souls in one day. That's awesome. And then going just down a few verses, down to verse 47, it says, The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Every single day there were, being, there were people being added to the church. And I, I catch glimpses of this. I give lots of examples, but I, I see uh, different people coming in. I, I just use Saved by Grace on Tuesday nights, Kitty leading this group. And I'm seeing people coming in, and I'm seeing lives being established, and people being raised up through that ministry. I, I, I believe more than just on Sunday. And listen, I want every Sunday morning, I want salvation. I want to I get to the point where we see multiple salvations every single Sunday morning. But I also want to see it on Tuesday night. And saved by grace. I want to see it every Friday when the ladies get together for Virtue 31. I want to see it when our men get together for breakfast. I want to see people being saved every day. In fact, I want to see you leading people to, to the Lord at work. Right? You know, you don't just have to bring them to church to see people saved. Right? You, you can lead them to, 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 to the Lord at work or, uh, you know, off, on the golf course. Take somebody golfing and tell them about Jesus. Right? It should be an everyday thing. That's the way the church grew in, the, in the, the book of Acts. It was daily people added to the church. Acts 5.14, it says, More than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Right? This is, this is actually one of, the, one of the consistent themes all the way throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, The word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. A great number of priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Can you see the church expanding? The church grew rapidly in the early century. In fact, in the first century and the second century, there were, there were these two great periods of growth. And you know what, what time it was? 
It was during the time of a pandemic. Global pandemic. Go study that in church history. The two greatest seasons in the, in the first and second century of church growth happened during pandemic. The spread of a virus and the church continued to minister and it flourished. It grew greatly in times. And we, we saw that, you know, that happened in Martin Luther's life. He ministered in a pandemic and he saw the church grow. Same thing happened with Charles Haddon Spurgeon in his ministry in London. 2,000 people were dying every single day and he continued to go out and preach the gospel and saw revival. Think about that. They continued to preach the gospel and the church flourished in the midst of famine. You know, in, in, the, in the midst of an economic downturn, we can see growth. You know that in hardship, the church will flourish? In fact, you look through church history, it's in the seasons of hardship when the church grows the best. That's reality. God's church is growing. It's expanding. It, that's, that was God's intent from the foundation of the world. He commissioned his disciples at the very beginning, go out to the nations and preach the gospel. That was his commission. Do you know that in 1900, these are some statistics, in 1900, there were 560 million Christians on planet Earth. There were about a half billion Christians on planet Earth. I realize that not everybody who says they're Christian is Christian. We understand that. But there were about a half, half billion people that identified as, as Christians in 1900. In the year 2000, there were 1.985 billion Christians on planet Earth. 1.985 who identified as believers. In 2010, there were 2.2 billion Christians on planet Earth. And the estimate today is that there are 2.38 billion Christians on planet Earth. God's kingdom is expanding. God's kingdom is growing. And God expects his people to be fruitful. John talks about it. He says, you, he talks about, uses the analogy of the vine. You get, plant, you, you get connected and, and, and tied into the vine. You get planted and you will be fruitful. Right? If, if you are truly connected to Jesus, you will be fruitful. You will, will bear fruits. Minister, we, we, we heard one time taught this. You know, it's not your, your pastor's responsibility to grow the church. It's, it's the pastor's responsibility to make sure the church is healthy because a healthy church will grow. Pastor, it's the, the church is not growing at your No, it's not. It's our shared responsibility to grow the church. You can't put it all on one person. That's, that's a cop-out. That's an excuse. What are you doing to see God's kingdom advance? What are you doing to push back darkness? The, the, the terminology from a, another parable, Jesus says, occupy until I come. Occupy until I come. What, what, what is the meaning of that? It's a military term. It means to take over, to push back darkness. That one soul at a time, we are pushing darkness out and the light of Jesus Christ being established. It's the responsibility of the church to win souls. We are called to be a fruitful people. We're called to be a fruitful people. God expects us to be fruitful. God expects us to be multiply, multipliers. I want to look at one more uh, parable here. Matthew chapter 25, in verse 14, was where we're going to begin to read. It's the parable of the talents. And in verse 14, he says this, it, it will be like a man going on a journey. The kingdom will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. 
I talked during our worship transition offering time there, I talked about how God's called us to partner in this thing of advancing the kingdom. God has entrusted the kingdom to us. You think about that. God has entrusted to us the propagation of the gospel, the advancement of his kingdom. This is a parable that illustrates that. This, This man entrusts his servants with his property. In verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to one, to, to another, he gave one, and to each according to his ability. And then he went his way. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. He brought increase. The, Lord, the master gave him five talents, and he went and earned five more. So he's got ten talents. Verse 17 it says that, So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. So he took two, and now he's got four. Verse 15, but the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with him. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, and said, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master says to him, Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. And also, who had, he, he also who had re- received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you have scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what was yours. The master answered, said, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. This is staggering. A lot of us wouldn't think this way. This, I think, is, is the mindset of God. He says, so take the talent from him who gave it to, uh, uh, from him, and, and give it, I'm sorry, to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will more be given and who, who he will have an, an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast to the worthless servant, I'm sorry, cast the, the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I believe that this, this parable illustrates to us that the Lord wants us to take what he has given us and multiply that. God's called every single one of us to be stewards. God has allowed us the privilege of partnering with us, with him in his kingdom. And he's given each of us talents. I'm, th- th- this word talent, don't get this confused to mean that it, it's some kind of a skill, some kind of a talent. That, this, this is in ter- that when he's talking talents here, it's talking in terms of finances, but it's an illustration. It can be 
finances. It can be our talents. It, it can be giftings that the Lord's given us. It can be possessions or things that the Lord's given us. But we take whatever it is that the Lord has given us and we use it to advance his kingdom and give him glory. That's God's intention for us. That's his ultimate desire is that we would live a life like that. I, I want to wrap up with, with just a little bit of encouragement and, uh, around stewardship. But I want to go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him, I'll give you a minute to get there. Ephesians 3, 20. I've been told I moved too fast. Look at this. Now, now him, to, to him who is able to do far more abundantly. That, that's an expansive term right there, right? Far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. God, God is able to do infinitely more than we can dream of. According to, check this out, the power at work within us. That exceeding abundant power is at work on the inside of us. So what are our excuses of why we're not multiplying? Of why we're not fruitful? Well, times are tough. COVID was just a rough season. Well, it's the economy. Well, people are hard-hearted. They won't hear the gospel. What are our excuses? We have this, this exceeding power on the inside of us, working in us, right? Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power that is working with us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We serve a God of abundance. Amen. We serve a God of more than enough. We serve a God in whom is no lack. Listen, I'm not going to allow gas prices to determine how I live my life. I'm going to keep being about the Father's business. I'm not going to let hardship determine how I live my life. I'm gonna let, not, not going to let situations determine how I live my life. I'm not going to let the economic reports determine how I live my life. God's called me. He's given me purpose. He's given talents to me. And I am going to invest those in a way that I bring multiplication and glory to the Father. Advancement to the kingdom. Amen? What, what has God entrusted into your care? What abilities has God given you? What resources has God given you? Well, I'm not rich, but you've got a house where you can gather some people together and feed them and share the gospel with them. What do you have and how can you use that? I only got one talent. How can you take that one talent and use it to the glory of God? How can you multiply it in, in a way? I want us as a church to take every resource that we have and to multiply it. I don't want to draw back. I don't want to shrivel in. I, I, you know what I want to do? I want to stretch. I want to reach. I want to walk in faith, not in fear. Amen? I want a, a provision mentality that I've got a God who has all wealth, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that he will get whatever I need, he will get to me. I've got the supply of the Spirit, and that's all I need. Amen? You know you can preach the gospel for free? Did you know that? 
Oh, we need all kinds of money to preach. And they, they, look, I understand that. Churches got bills that cost for airtime and all that kind of stuff. But you know you can preach to your neighbor and it won't cost you a cent. You know you can preach at your family reunion and it won't cost you a penny. It may cost you some cousins. But they don't like you anyway. We can preach for free. It doesn't cost us. God's, God has given you influence. God has given you resources. God has given you talents. God has given you a platform. Stop complaining about the platform and just stand on it and preach. Amen? It's, it's not the exact meaning of the scripture, but I'm going to use a little liberty. The, he who has been faithful in a little, I will make ruler over much. Stand and complain about your platform all you want or be faithful on it and God will give you a bigger platform. God will advance you. Amen? We've got to be faithful stewards of the resources that God has given us. I, I, I want to speak faith into our church. I want to read one more passage of scripture, maybe two more, maybe three more, and then we'll be done. Isaiah 54. I've got to get this preach out, all right? It says, Sing, O barren, who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate will, one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. We can't do it because of our situation. We can't do it because of circumstances. We can't do it because of our bank account. We can't do it because of lack of resources. We can't do it because of lack of people. How long will we use barrenness as a, an excuse? And when will we stand up and begin to sing? We've got a tent. We need to expand the tent. In verse 2, he says, enlarge the place of your tent. Come on, church. Enlarge the place of your tent. Can anybody dream with me for a Saturday night service? Can anybody dream with me for a Spanish service? Can anybody dream with me that again we'll begin to feed people down in our basement every week and we'll see people saved on Friday nights? Can anybody dream with me that we're going to plant churches one day? Can anybody dream that we're going to send families out of our church as missionaries to other nations one day? Can anybody dream with me to expand the tent of this house? Come on, we need, we need vision. We need to expand our vision. We need faith. Amen? Let me wrap this, this scripture up and we'll, we'll move on. For you will let's see, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. We need some stretching. We need an exp some expansion. I had a carpenter working over at my house. We got into a conversation the other day. What, what's cheaper, the lumber or the board stretcher? When you cut the, listen, we need, a, we need a board stretcher. We need to stretch it. Amen? We need to stretch it. We, we need to enlarge our vision. What will you do when the revival that you prayed, up, prayed for, for for decades actually happens? What will you do? I was thinking when I pulled up the other night at my house, see, I was, I was expecting by 9.30 I was coming home and I was going to just kind of coast in there, give my wife a kiss and get in the bed. And there were all these ladies still in my house. So I sat there for a minute and I had a flashback to 2001 when I was a Bible, I was a senior in Bible college and we began to make effort towards planting a church. And we used to pile these Bible college students in my car and we would drive 45 minutes north to San Marcos, Texas and we would go into the cafetorium at Miller Junior High School and we would set up every Sunday morning and, we, and, and Friday night, every Friday night we would go out to the, to the square where all the college kids hung out, where everybody was out and about with their kids at the arcade and the pizzeria and all the bars and all the things that were down there. 
and we would witness and we would invite people. Hey, we're going to meet Sunday morning at Miller Junior High. Come on to the cafetoria. We did that for months and months and months. And we drove up there every Sunday and we set up all of our equipment, truckload of equipment. We'd haul in there and we'd set that stuff up. And you know, one Sunday morning, we pulled into the, 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 the parking lot at Miller Junior High School and there was not a parking space in the parking lot. You know what my first thought was? Oh no, I am not ready for this. Turns out there was just a basketball tournament in the gym. (laughs) What will we do when they show up? Will we be ready for the harvest? Do we have enough faith? Do we have enough confidence in our God? Or will we be staggered when God actually begins to do it? We need to get bigger vision. We need to get bigger faith. D.L. Moody, I love it. He says, if God is your partner, then make your plans big. If God is your partner, make your plans large. Amen? Did Jesus call this, or, or, or is this like some self-initiated thing? Is, God, is this God's doing, or is it our, our, our making? Hey, if God's called us to this, we need to dream big dreams. Amen? If the Great Commission is true, then any plans that we have, any strategy that we have, uh, any kind of a budget that we might set, wh- whatever it is, any kind of vision that we have, It is not big enough. It is too small if the Great Commission is true. Amen? It's the Great Commission, not the OK Commission. Right? It's not the mediocre commission. It is the Great Commission. It's the main thing that God's called us to, and it's the great vision that he has that all of the nations of the earth would hear the gospel preached, that all nations of the earth would believe. He's coming back for a kingdom that is of every, every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. Amen? And it's our responsibility to go and preach the gospel to Jesus Christ. We live in a day where there are still nations that have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus. So that speaks to us as a church. We need bigger vision. We need bigger faith. We need bigger ministry teams. We need bigger budgets. We need bigger vision. We need a bigger heart. We need a bigger faith. We need God to expand our faith, to expand our hearts, to expand our vision. We need bigger vision. We need to be responsible stewards of this thing that God's given us. Stewardship is an act of worship that recognizes that God is the owner of it all. This is God's kingdom, and I want to be responsible with it. Deuteronomy 8.18, I used this earlier. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to you, your fathers, as it is this day. We need big faith. And we got to be good stewards. I like what Robert Morris says. This is the way that he, he, they, they govern their church in Dallas. He says, we, we spend wisely, we save purposefully, and we give generously. We've got to be good stewards. I'm not talking about being stupid. I'm not talking about being careless. I'm talking about being responsible with what God has given us and multiplying it. Not wasting it. Not living dangerously with it. But living with faith living with expectation, living with purpose, living with direction that comes from God. So I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to ask this question. Do you have a possession mentality or a provision mentality? Do you possess your finances or do you believe that God provided them for you? Do you possess your talents or you do do you believe that God provided them and you are a steward of those talents? Do you possess your life? 
Or do you believe that God is the Lord of it? And he's the provider. Do we have a possession mentality or a provision mentality? Have you heard of the, the term scarcity mentality? People live like there's not enough money. I was listening to uh, that, that preacher actually last night. He was talking about his grandparents who were born in 1923 and 1926. They were the products of the Great Depression. And so they grew up learning how to pickle cucumbers, how to do all the work on their house themselves, how to stretch every penny, every nickel, every dollar. And they had a scarcity mentality. They wouldn't let anybody touch their money. They wouldn't give because of a scarce, scarcity mentality. Do we live with a scarcity mentality or do we live with a provision mentality? The ultimate question is, do we really believe that God is who he says he is? Do we believe he's big enough? If he's called us to us, he's not gonna leave us, forsake us. God's economy does not suffer scarcity. If he provides for the birds of the air, how much more so will he provide for us? Let's all stand together. Here's a salvation call right here. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, listen to me. Jesus calls us to come and to give everything that we are. The call to follow Jesus is the call to abandon our old life, to abandon our ego, to abandon our possessions, to abandon our rights. It's the call to take up our cross and to follow him. That's the call to follow Jesus. And here's what I've learned. When we're willing to do that, he gives us everything that we need. Everything. Everything. I have a friend that has never left me nor forsaken me. 25 years of walking with Jesus, and I found him to be faithful. He's a very present help in my time of need. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a good God, and I have no regrets for giving up drunkenness and lewdness and perversion and lying and backstabbing and all of the stuff that I was wrapped up in. Like that old song, the old timers used to say, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I wouldn't trade it back. It's been nothing but good. If that's you and you want to say, hey, I'm abandoning all and I'm coming today to follow Jesus, I want you to take a minute and walk down this aisle. I want to meet you here. I want to pray with you. I want to help you to establish a walk with Christ today. If that's you, we're going to take a minute and we're going to give you an opportunity.